when he was preparing the disciples for the cross, gave the, the precious truth of John 13, 14, 15, 16, and then, of course, the high priestly prayer of 17. And uh, the reason I think that those chapters mean so much is you could just see how the Lord was helping them be prepared for the difficulty of the cross, then the difficulty of his ascension. Um, he did not have the same relationship with them between the resurrection and the ascension. He would appear to them, but he did not live with them. And so th their lives are going to be dramatically changed. And so he was preparing them for circumstances that would be horrifying, uh, traumatic, um, and unfortunately, they had not fully understood what he had taught them. And so in John 15, 11, after talking about abiding in him, remaining in a relationship with him, he uh, states, these things have I spoken unto you that you can survive. That's not what he says. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now, a couple of very important points from that verse. Whose joy is it? Jesus' joy. Now, let me ask you, does Jesus have joy? Wow. <laughs> I mean, when you're talking God, you're talking God-sized joy. And he says, I'm going to give you my joy. Now, the things that I'm teaching you are not for you just to somehow make it through the next few days or the next few weeks or the next few months. Few months. What I'm teaching you is going to be the secret for you to be in a relationship with me, and they would soon understand about, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that my very joy would be your joy. Now, ladies, this is something you really do have to get a hold of, and I've uh, had to uh, work on this in my own life. Emotions come and go. God does not. And when Jesus says we can have his joy, he means it. And we have the third person of the Trinity indwelling us who manifests Jesus Christ in us. And so we have his joy. And it is not something that has to come and go. This is why I said at the beginning, this matter of the choice of joy is all about relationship. Being in the presence of the Lord. Now you have him, but acknowledging that. Remaining in that dependent relationship with the Lord, as John 15 talks about. So it's his joy. And then the second thing that's really amazing here, if you have his joy, uh, you then will have joy that is overflowing. See, the, the, the joy of human experience is temporary. It, it is, it's not full. You may be really excited for a moment, but it's, not, it's really not meeting the need of your entire person. And it can be really some exciting. And there are some human things in life that are very exciting, ought to be exciting. Uh, wedding day and, you know, things like that that are amazing. <coughs> and it's so joy is a very, um, you know, it's a real thing, but it's more happiness rather than joy. It doesn't go into the depths of our being. 
And, um, and so when we have his joy, because we made the choice to trust him and we're fellowshipping with him, our human joy just is, whoa, it is, it is wonderful. It's overflowing. Now, we may not feel good. We may not, uh, at the time, be happy humanly about our circumstances. Um, but there will be a deep down spiritual joy that will just overflow in your life. And, and let me just say, ladies, you've got to believe that that's true. It will change your life if you're not afraid of tomorrow. Doesn't matter what happens tomorrow, you, ha you can have the joy of the Lord. Doesn't matter what happens later today, you can have the joy of the Lord, it's your choice. Because he is a person and he is in you. You know the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, what is the second part of the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy. The Spirit will do it. And so this is one of those basics that can change your relationships. It can change everything you do. If you can think of your real life as spiritual and that the Holy Spirit, despite the circumstances, will give you joy. But the problem is it doesn't take much to take away our joy. Traffic. <laughs> Uh, our air conditioner stops working on a 95-degree day, you know. Uh, for us, our refrigerator went kaplunk. Uh, that doesn't bring a lot of human joy, I can tell you that. That's a big headache. Um, things like that uh, occur, and just the way it is. Uh, health problems certainly bring uh, gripping uh, human reactions to them all. Financial pressures. Uh, which, of course, everyone is facing right now. So remember, happiness happens, joy is a choice. Happiness happens, joy is a choice. I won't go through uh, the uh, illustration she gives about circumstances, but all you ladies can relate to it about how she thought she was ready to go to Sunday school in the morning and about four or five different things she forgot. She had to run, do this, do that. And then when she finally thought she had it all together and she was still gonna make it on time, she had locked her keys in the house. You know, <clears throat> very uh, interesting illustration. And so she broke into the house, it's interesting. But um, her husband made it to where she couldn't do that the next time. Uh, but uh, it, uh, it but those kind of things, here you are ready to serve the Lord, that can totally take away your joy and power when you are frustrated. Dwight L. Moody wrote, happiness is caused by things that happen around me, and circumstances will mar it. But joy flows right on through trouble. Joy flows on through the dark. Joy flows in the night as well as in the day. Joy flows through persecution and opposition. It is an unceasing fountain bubbling up in the heart, a secret spring the world can't see and doesn't know anything about. The Lord gives his people perpetual joy when they walk in obedience to him. Again, when I say that, do you really believe it? It's a choice to believe it, by the way. Just accepting that you have the immutable God within you and that he has made these promises and that he will give you his joy 
if you choose to by faith follow him, truly believing that will give you at the time of the inevitable valleys the strength to be able to say that's what God says and I'm going to believe it. There is a wonderful epistle, four chapters long. I've memorized a lot of it. Uh, Philippians, we all know that, and that is uh, the epistle of joy. Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. And all throughout the book, it's it's a great and encouraging uh, epistle. Where did Paul write that from? Prison. Now, folks, prisons in the Roman Empire weren't like prisons today. Okay, and so it was a very difficult situation that he's in, but he mentions joy, rejoicing, or gladness 19 times in the book of Philippians. And so for the Apostle Paul, uh, joy was an experience not based on what anyone, most people would consider a uh, horrible set of circumstances. Now, You've got to understand that he looked at his life not as a life that should be for his own satisfaction. He had given his life for the cause of Jesus Christ, and God had put clear-cut goals on his heart, and he had a great purpose of getting the gospel to the unreached regions of the world, And as you know, one of his deep burdens was to get to Rome. That was one of the things that he had been praying about. He wrote the Romans that he was trusting that he could come. And so because his life was not about himself, and this is very important here, because his life was not about himself but fulfilling the will of God, uh, he could see the circumstances as providential. He could see the circumstances as tools in the hand of God to further God's work in his life. If you don't have a divine purpose for your life, it's going to be much harder to make purposeful decisions to have joy. Because if self-satisfaction is your driving motivation, uh, you're not going to be able to put everything into context. All things work together for good doesn't make sense because you don't see those all things working together for the good that you want. But when you want God's glory, you want to know him better, you want to walk with him, you want to further his cause, you want to keep changing, you want his will accomplished, well, then you can just count it all joy because you know God's doing something. You may not understand it at the moment, but you know he's doing something. And in, in hindsight's 2020, you look back and say, yes, that was obviously how the Lord was working, and I'm very thankful about that. So he, his greatest passion was to know, know and serve the Lord, and every circumstance he faced, he viewed by how it could be used to accomplish his goal of serving the Lord. So he looked at all of those things as important uh, matters. And even in his bonds, he was rejoicing because people were being saved in the imperial palace of Caesar. (laughs) Old Nero thought he got Paul, and Paul got Nero. You know, I mean, it's just uh, uh, he was able just not to be all worried about himself, but instead to be uh, excited about serving the Lord. 
Now, have you ever noticed two people can experience the same set of circumstances uh, but have a totally different emotions? I mean, that happens all the time. That's where the world needs to see in us something they would not expect. The world cannot understand why there is, um, uh, why there's joy at a funeral. Uh, how can there be joy in a hospital room? They don't get it. They don't get it. Uh, but uh, a lot of times, unfortunately, believers don't either. The little poem, one ship sails east, one ship sails west. Regardless of how the winds blow, it is the set of the sail and not the gale that determines the way we go. Simple little thought, but it is really true. Two people in here could have exactly the same circumstances. One just moves forward for God, experiences God's blessing in the midst of sorrow and heartache. The other one collapses into depression, discouragement, and bitterness with God. And as a result, many other people are hurt. Same set of circumstances, and they're both believers. And so uh, these choices are very important. Now, let's get back to what I said right at the beginning. The very essence of being able to make the right choice for joy is to make your supreme desire be to know the Lord, to actually have a relationship with Christ. Um, that is, if you look at the book of Philippians, that was the whole uh, thrust uh, that uh, Paul had, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And Paul over and over said that he was understanding Christ even more through his afflictions, Colossians chapter 1 of uh, Philippians chapter 3. You know, folks, we are so, because of the sinful nature, we are so self-focused. It is uh, uh, just, it's consuming. But uh, when we uh, give our lives to the Lord, God has to continue to utilize the inevitable negative circumstances to cause us to realize that Jesus is enough. You know when Jesus is the sweetest to you? When you really need him. When you're not absorbed with all the things that you're doing and are doing okay without him. You're not actually, but you think you are. And so when our relationship and being in his presence for the fullness of joy is the goal of our life when we spend an extended time like an hour with God every day and we rejoice in knowing him and we keep growing circumstances you will see very quickly are for the purpose of furthering and deepening that relationship and you're able to accept that God is using these things for good if you are not spending time with the Lord if you do not have the passion to know him this is really going to be a problem I'm telling you, I've talked to many, many, many a believer who's bitter with God. And, um, and that is a sad, sad thing. God is always good. He always does what is right. He proved his love on the cross. You never can get frustrated with God. And it's a tragic thing to blame him for your problems. By the way, Satan does a lot of the negatives. Our flesh causes a lot of the problems. And if God himself does something, it's 
you can just see his hand in it right from the beginning. But he takes Satan's attacks, he takes even our own fleshly attacks, and turns it all to good if we walk with him. And so life uh, is wonderful in every direction. And so as uh, John 17, 3, in that prayer of the Lord, there were the disciples heard that prayer. On the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, he said this, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That is life. And when you get a hold of that being life, then circumstances aren't seen as life. They are tools of God to give you life. Um, David, of course, went through a lot in his preparatory years to be the king. Why? So that he would need the Lord. And uh, he understood that uh, Psalm 21.1, The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord. And in thy salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. Psalm 9, verse 14, and I will rejoice in thy salvation. Psalm 51, 12, after he had sinned, he said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Very interesting uh, prophecy uh, book is the book of Habakkuk. And the book of Habakkuk He's, the prophet is crying out, Lord, why are you allowing all these things to happen? And then he states there is going to be further chastening of Israel, but eventually there will be a great restoration. But it was very clear to Habakkuk that it wasn't going to happen in his time. It's a very interesting book. And Habakkuk says this in chapter 3, verse 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom... That was bad if you were counting on figs. Neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail. And the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. He had gotten the truth from the Lord. And though it humanly didn't affect didn't benefit him at the moment God had spoken and he says I'm in going to joy in my relationship with you despite the circumstances I'm going to realize you're on the throne you're doing what is best I'm going to trust you and I'm going to live with joy even in the midst of famine oh it's a great great uh, uh, perspective there by Habakkuk now um the author also talks about the fact that there's another angle of perspective that we need to have, and that is, and I've already alluded to this, not to be self-absorbed, but to be obviously God-conscious, but to be servants. You know, joy comes when we turn from our own selfish ways and we're, we serve the Lord and we serve others. Now, when you love someone... Uh, or you decide to serve, have you noticed in the human sphere of things that you have joy just doing that? It, there's just joy in making your family happy. There's joy in meeting someone's needs, ministering to them. Even if it's hard, you're doing it with a free heart because you chose to do it. Well, when we put ourselves in the place like Paul talks all about, he said, Paul the servant, the bond slave of Jesus Christ, uh, when we are living to serve, uh, 
uh, it really changes our attitude. He said, uh, the, uh, she mentions how her husband, uh, the two of them were traveling and uh, happened to be a couple of rows away from former President uh, Gerald Ford. And he was there on the airplane and everybody was just excited about waiting on him, you know. Everybody wanted to see him and all that kind of thing, which you can imagine. I know that's ancient history now, but um, anybody remember President Ford? All right, there's a few here. All right. For all of the two years that he was president or less or whatever it was, but uh, anyway. Um, but um, the thing that was interesting was just the excitement there to serve. Well, we get to serve the King of Kings. And I'm telling you, when you really get to know the Lord and you realize what a joy it is and a privilege for us to minister and to serve him and represent him and declare the gospel, uh, like last night, uh, uh, we were out going uh, on door-to-door visitation and met a man that he, uh, and I started giving the gospel and he was wide open and he says, wow, he said, I, God's in this. <laughs> uh, he said, I've just so... He said, I just realized, he said, uh, I realized this is God lets you come here for me. And I, you know, there's, a, there's joy at that moment because it was a bit hot last night. Wasn't a whole lot of fun, you know, going door to door. And people were not out sitting on their front porches last night, you know. There wasn't an easy way to talk to people. But there was just joy at that moment and uh, uh, thankful for that privilege. So he, um, Paul says in Acts 20, 24, talking to the Ephesian elders, he said, but none of these things move me, all the bad circumstances, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry, the service, the servant's life, which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And uh, it, you've got to realize there's joy now in serving the Lord, and there's special joy even later. Uh, Matthew 25, 21, well done. This is speaking of when um, a faithful servant goes to be with the Lord. Well, the Lord says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Notice servant again. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Folks, our circumstances are so temporary here. If you're saved, you haven't even gotten the first speck on the timeline of your life. Uh, you're going to live eternally. And you're going to have a far more full life later on. But what a privilege to serve the Lord now. Do you realize how we get all boggled up with ourselves instead of getting all excited about serving the Lord in this dispensation? Do you realize uh, 10,000 years from now, you won't be able to give the gospel? You won't be able to meet somebody's physical needs. Won't be able to do those things. We'll certainly have great opportunities to serve the Lord in heaven, but this is a special time. And there is special joy in serving the Lord right now. <clears throat> and um, she also mentions, I think, a good point. Uh, have uh, a, just allow yourself to remember the good things that God has done for you. Thankfulness always brings joy. You remember when somebody told you how to be saved? 
You remember when you made key decisions for the Lord, how God kept you from what could have been disastrous. Just people that have loved you, our special times with the Lord, and uh, that certainly can help in, in that regard. So it gets down to uh, the fact that you've got to have perfect confidence, and this is, I'm going to sort of bring it right to this, you've got to have confidence that God has a perfect plan for your life. You say, well, pastor, I've already messed it up. You've got a clean slate from right now on. Isn't that wonderful? Forgetting those things which are behind. God can, uh, can uh, restore that which the locusts have eaten. You can have a wonderful, wonderful productive life. And even the evil harvest from maybe wrong choices of the past, God will use that to grow you, strengthen you, humble you, and, and help you go forward. That's amazing. And so I, I, got, I want to get back to that that matter of I believe that if I make the choice to trust the Lord he will give me his joy and it will be overflowing and that God's plan for me is perfect and so therefore I do not have to fear circumstances I know that he is carefully working and crafting my life and organizing it if I trust him and I have confidence that God's plan uh, is right and that allows you uh, to be able to say with uh, the writer of Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, you know these verses, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. And so that deep, deep confidence uh, that uh, is in our life that we know God's will is perfect helps us not worry about the circumstances. In fact, bad circumstance today, do you think God can use it? Choose joy. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to wait for something good to happen. In fact, uh, I, I look back, some of the most pure, joyful days have been the days in which I had no human reason to be excited. But I met with God. And oh my, does God meet the need. He makes himself so real. Joy is Christ. Knowing him, walking with him. So we need to embrace the fact that he knows what he's doing and we can trust him. Uh, so this is an important lesson. This is where a lot of people get snagged in their Christian life and lose out on what God wants to do. You can trust him.